0: so like where do you start talking about a hellraiser sequel do you have to go all the way back to the original hellraiser and be like oh clive barker was a writer of scary stuff and he created pinhead
1: crack open a cold box of wine or pour something cold on ice because it's the binge watchers podcast
0: second movie, and we magically arrived at part three. Or do you just say, like, there's a bunch of other terrible Hellraiser sequels, and you kind of wonder, like, could you imagine if the first Hellraiser was, like, Hellraiser Hellworld, or, like, part five, part six, like, anything after Inferno, you go, what's the point? Why should I even have raised any hell at all? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like... uh. I wonder. I I kind of. Do you ever wonder that? Like, if new movie fans come across like a series, but they start like a random sequel, like they don't start with the original, they just like s- cut somewhere in the middle. Like, could that could that ruin their franchise experience if they pick the wrong sequel?
1: Um, possibly depending on how bad it is. Um,
0: yeah.
1: You know, like for instance, this uh this one was the very first Hellraiser movie I ever saw.
0: You started with Hellraiser three, Hell on Earth.
1: Yeah, because it was just randomly wow. on TV.
0: <laughs> okay, so you probably liked the camera head killer, right? The, yeah, the, the camera head the CD killer. guy. Yeah, and oh yeah, and then the DJ gets turned into like a guy that shoots CDs out of his face. He'll shoot them out of his face into your face. You will die. <laughs> He'll continue on his demon way, and be happy to you know mix the heat the hits as he does it. That's the only thing is like. They should have had them like skipping the beats. Like you should have heard like you know records break tracks. You should have heard like musical cues. You know that's the only. If I if I had to have a criticism of the <laughs> the the Cinebite that shot CDs at people would be, um yeah I should have heard like musical cues in the background or DJ riffs or hip hop riffs or something. Um, what are we talking about? We're talking about Hellraiser 3: Hell on Earth, which is you know the third uh, do you say third sequel or do you say second sequel I guess it's technically the the second sequel the second sequel yeah yeah Um, so Clive Barker wrote a book a novel and it has a really good title and I can't think of what it is right now he was writing a bunch of intense horror stuff that mostly pulls on like I assume he must have been raised Catholic right because he really just he really just kind of pulls on Catholicism for a lot of his stuff right Yeah, I mean,
1: you you get that impression. I don't know if he is or not.
0: Or he he has a beef with religion in general, just organized religion in general. Who knows? Um, Because he definitely takes it back to the faith, you know, in most of his stuff. And uh, there's an awesome quote in this movie. So anyway, there's this legendary murderous demon who comes out of something called the Puzzle Box. And I had mentioned Cenobite earlier. That's just the name for the demons in this movie. But he says that there's no good, there's no evil, there's only flesh. And literally, like, at the core theme of the Hellraiser movies is, like, the greatest sin is usually some kind of sexual deviance and involves literally flesh. The more right. you use it, it's like a commodity in this mo- these movies. But Pennant is... A, is what At one point, he was as infamous as Freddy Krueger or Jason Voorhees or Michael Myers... And if you see a lot of the sketches online, folks, if you're tuning into like these franchise killers only through like Facebook videos or YouTube sketches, they often and not include a pinhead reference. Yeah,
1: he's a, he's kind of on the Mount more for some people.
0: Yeah, he's played by an actor named Doug Bradley. And what's really funny is, did you ever see Doug Bradley's Thanksgiving? No. Oh man, yeah. look this up, folks. Google Doug Bradley Thanksgiving. It's just literally him at home with his family Thanksgiving, and I think he's talking about the or stuff, but you see him, like, cut a turkey, and it's just like a normal video, right? (sighs) Because he's like a real chill dude in real life. He's like a classically trained actor, almost like a Donald Pleasance or a John Hurt, you know what I mean? Like, John Hurt was in Aliens, and you're like, why is he in fucking Aliens? And then, or Donald Pleasance, also classically trained, real, real, you know, upper crusty London-based actor, and he's in the Halloween movies, right? And then yeah. you have here, you have Doug Bradley in the Hellraiser films, but it makes sense. Why? Because like Doug Bradley can deliver a speech like nobody's business. Like yeah,
1: he, he definitely adds a gravitas to his, uh, to his dialogue.
0: Yeah, totally. And he has like two speeches in Hellraiser three that you're like, okay, this just elevated this movie a little bit higher than it was. You, you know what I mean? Like if you hear yeah. Pinhead talk for five minutes, you're like, okay, totally worth the cost of the popcorn. Right. Yeah. Um and it's funny that David said he tuned this one in on TV like I am did you come in on the scene where they're all walking through the streets and all the city's like exploding and on fire?
1: I think so. Yeah. I think that's kind of where it caught it's, my attention.
0: Well, like I I'm going to throw that clip up on Facebook. It actually this the clips will be up before this episode's even downloaded, but um or uploaded, whatever. Uh I think that's the thing that would bring people into this movie and I'm sure that's like the big hype scene for the 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 teaser trailer you know yeah i'd um, say that in the the nightclub massacre oh for lack my of better god term. like it's like, insane <laughs> if you get this script as a filmmaker like let's hear the director for hire and you get this script you're flipping through the pages bullshit 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 a uh, pinhead has a soul what the fuck bullshit 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 girl reminiscing about her dad lost in vietnam bullshit 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 wait a minute Thirty three souls in a nightclub, reminiscent a la freaking, you know Kubrick's A Shining. Okay, I'm in. <laughs> you, you, know, you, right. know, you know what I mean? Like, you're like all right, we're <laughs> you know, for me, for me though, you know what would get me into this movie is I love the floating statue that they're right. trapped in, and I think that I think that harkens back in the second one, but I don't remember them getting forged into the statue at the end of the second one. Honestly, uh, it might be a carryover from the second one. They were so they were technically committed to the floating statue that pinheads trapped in, but I don't I don't honestly remember um, if they were forged into the statue at the at the end of part two. Uh, uh, you
1: know, confession I've never seen number two. <laughs> oh, it's yeah I've watched man. this one out of order.
0: Man, dude, I think most fans would actually choose part two over all of all of, all of the first three originals. Actually,
1: I've heard a lot of people say that, so I'm really intrigued to watch it
0: because. Like, he, pin, first of all, Pinhead has some competition in a character that just is trying to take over hell, and she's a madwoman, and she's like, she's the stepmother who the brother had the affair with in the first movie that set this whole thing off with the puzzle box in the first place. It has the um, the daughter, though, who's the, the hero in the first movie. She's actually in the sequel. And then the stepmother escapes from hell and is trying to manipulate this doctor into completing the puzzle box in a way that they could take over, essentially take over hell, I guess. And then bring Hell Dust to Earth and have this whole apocalypse power trip or whatever, right? Like, mm-hmm. for immortality. Like, they had this whole play that was completely different from, from anybody else. So she was full of ambition, and she was a terrorizer, this the stepmother, man. And, like, uh, and uh, and then there's still the gratuitous sex scene. So if you got a mommy thing and you want to watch these movies, you're going to get your jollies off. I mean, like I said, there's a sexual component to freaking Hellraiser, and there's no way around that. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, they have, what, a bondage scene in this one, right? When right when Pinhead makes a deal with the guy who owns the club, like, hey, you got to feed me. Feed me some souls, you know? Right. Hook a brother up, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, uh, which is funny, he doesn't feed them very many. He only, like, literally feeds her one girl and then, spoiler alert, skip ahead, everybody, because I'm about to spoil something. Spoiler alert, all right. Fair enough. I gave him, like, uh, I don't know, ten seconds. You got enough time. I gave him enough time. So, J.P. Monroe, who's like this... Wall Street Playboy or whatever, who owns this nightclub, he, he cuts a deal with Pinhead. It didn't seem like he was going to get anything out of it, except maybe not get eaten. I don't know. But then he gives him he gives up one girl, which is, then he get deflated alive. Another classic uh, thing about the Hellraiser series is somebody always has to lose all their skin and then just be muscle and tissue and bone and still be alive, right? They get skinned yeah. alive. That's kind of the thing. So, you know, his little, uh, I don't know, street rat, dinner date or whatever gets taken and boom she's gone and one night stander she's out and then you know he's bringing in the supporting chick whose name is terry who's like kind of throughout the movie he's making a series of bad choices and but then supposedly trying to turn her life around i don't know she's pounding around with like the main girl who's joey who's like a reporter but is doing like the side of life bullshit reports and she wants to do some real journalism right but getting back to the nightclub owner um, he makes a mistake, and then he gets kicked into the statue himself. And then, uh, and then apparently that's enough. Like it's kind of silly that it's only it only takes two deaths for the statue to eat for all the demons to get out and Pinhead to get released. But whatever. Right. The, the pacing is pretty quick in this movie. It's like bing bang yeah, boom. Yeah, definitely. You know? Um, what's a little disjointed is like when it transitions to any of the dream sequences. There's no transitions. Like we're just right. suddenly in them, which is kind of a little awkward. Uh, I do like the director of the movie I got a soft spot for this guy He can't really do any wrong in my eyes You know my buddy Anthony uh, Hickcox from the Waxworks Movies 1 and 2 You know ah. So he's got some horror cachet, so to speak He's uh, done some horror film stuff And he's done some horror TV stuff And I think he's done some Lately he's done I think a lot of television But um, yeah he's got some clout So if you like any of those movies you are jamming on those. He's uh the gun for hire on this one. I'm gonna try to read up to see how he got involved in this and see what he had to say about it, but I really couldn't find anything. Um Oh, going back to how the statue takes blood to get going or whatever mm-hmm. it was kinda silly that that the puzzle box had gotten stolen. Like I know they were trying to get the story started, there was like a random guy at the hospital, right? And then like the chains rip him apart and he's supposedly the one that got to the statue and and uh, took the puzzle blocks out of it or whatever, but then it's like a rat that gets the story started because it bites the the nightclub owner. I'm like, they literally right. just wrote that in. They're like, hey guys, we gotta get this thing with the statue going. How could we? How could we do that? And then you know you got like, you know Steve at the back of the room's like, hey, what if a, a rat was just crawling by and happened to bite the guy and then he bled on the statue and it all got <laughs> right. <through?" laughs> do you know what I mean? Like the guy who brought in the Chinese food. You know, literally said, hey, why don't you just have a rat, like just crawl across the dude and bite him, you know?
1: Yeah, it does. You have to go along with a few things in this movie, like it stretches some logic huh. um, or, or you know, you have to believe how um, I don't know about stretching logic, but uh, the thing that brings literally hell to earth is so stupid because she's having a dream Mm-hmm. And uh her dad like, hey, just give me the box. Okay. Doesn't question anything. Does <laughs> just that's it.
0: Oh, you're talking about when the Pinhead's pretending to be the dad? Yes. Okay, yeah. Well, but uh, then like Pinhead's soul like was telling her don't get tricked and like you can you have the power to alter reality and blah blah blah. I don't know. And the, uh, I don't like the Pinhead backstory. He's like a World War II British fighter pilot or something. And then, yeah. like, I don't know if he crash lands or if he's on a safari. Like, one of the other sequels suggests that he's like, it's really weird. I don't really know how to connect the dots uh, between the Pinhead thing. And then, like, he just he just had something, in an alter ego contained within himself that was purely evil. And it gets loose. I don't know. Um, also... There's a weird scene where the Terry girl is trying to cook for the main character. It's like in the first couple of scenes where they're working together. Yes. Did you read the cookbook that she was holding? It says microwave cookbook. Did oh, you really? did you catch no, I that? Missed that? Yeah, so they have this scenario where she's like cooking food straight on a straight on the burners and call it cooking and then again, like I said, I actually was reading what the cookbook said and it said microwave cookbook. So microwave which is the background. And that's like the one thing she's not using to cook. But again, this girl is just filled with bad choices. And she will become a demon later on. Although, she's kind of a stupid one. I mean, she looks cool with the exception of one thing. Can you name that one element, Dave, that I think is really stupid?
1: I can't say.
0: Oh, the cigarette coming out of her neck. Oh, yeah, yeah. I do like the voice box suggestive of lung cancer. But I hate the... Uh, just having a cigarette stick straight out of her neck while she talks—it's just stupid. She yeah, could can smoke cigarettes. I would rather see a demon smoking cigarettes, and maybe she has a really scary-looking, like cigarette holder that's really morbid or something. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That would be cool. Or maybe she can light, you know, cigarettes on fire with her fingertips or something. But oh, another cinnabite is stupid. One who has like fuel—he's like a gas tank. I don't know where this guy comes from. Yeah, I don't know. Most of them had an origin story in the movie, except for a couple of them. Didn't make any sense. He's one of them. He busts through the wall of a convenience store, and he shakes something up in his hand, and then he shoots everything like a blowtorch, like a flamethrower. Yeah. I don't know where he came from. <laughs> Most of them have an origin story, like, uh, what's the other one? Like, Pumphead or Drillhead or something. The nightclub owner actually turns into one where he has the things through his head. And they look like little uh, um, jackhammers.
1: Ah, jeez, I I can't remember.
0: Well, anyway, he shows up later as a monster, and uh, for about five seconds, when they're terrorizing uh, Joey, who's the main character. Um, oh, what's funny too is I have this little I, I wrote some notes, folks, because I wanted to bring up these specific points. Also, um, so the statue needs to consume blood to release the demons. But what wakes up Pinhead to the fact that sins are being committed is the the sex scene like I described earlier, but it's, like, literally an eye-opening orgasm. Like, quite literally, Pinhead opens his eyes at the <sighs> climax, and he's like, oh, hey, so there's some sinning going on. I guess I better step into that, take care of that. In a way, like, Pinhead could almost be an agent for, like, cleaning up sin. You know, you know, you know what I mean? Like, mm. it, you think he's just to punish the wicked, but then you find out he has, like, a personal agenda. And it really has nothing to do with, like, punishing the wicked. Or, it, it might, it may not. He's just, like, morbidly fascinated. I don't know. I mean, like, what do you think his deal It Take over hell? Um, huh.
1: ah, I don't know. Ultimate power, I suppose. He uh, gets off on pain for others.
0: Yeah. So,
1: yeah. And you mentioned the that.
0: nightclub scene. That's probably what this movie is this infamous for. And I would think that would be the director's nut right there. I think that would... Don't you think so? Wouldn't that be the set pieces? That I, I would say so. I mean, the direct? set
1: pieces are that in the, the battle in the street. Um, they, I mean, this movie has a mixture of, like, really good special effects and really shitty special effects. Uh, mm-hmm. Like the ending when they he, uh, all the Cenobites uh, fold into the box or um, – get bolted in. Uh, oh, however the you,
0: rotoscoping with a light beam. Yeah, it's pretty, flash like, out.
1: it does not hold up. But then, like, the the practical effects work really well. Like, the chains whipping out of the box to piercing into their skin, like, really worked for me.
0: Yeah, the chain thing they kind of figured out with the original. I, I don't know if it's a reverse photography, you know, where it's really, like, yeah. the chains are withdrawing, but then they reverse it, and it looks like the chains are snapping on someone. But, yeah, the chain's coming up out of the puzzle box straight from hell to... to to punish you or it's pretty intense and it's horrifying. And that's probably, uh, that's the main indicator of Hellraiser. It's almost like everything is on a, a razor's edge, actually. Like literally everything, it's a, little, a lot of slicing and dicing. Yeah. A lot of tearing and rendering is basically what it is. Um, Is it Anthony's best movie? It's probably his, one of the bigger budgets he's worked with. And it's also a franchise. Um, like I said, I was going to hopefully do research on, and talk tonight about how he got to the project. I ran out of time to do that. So I'm really just talking to you as a fan. And if you're a fan of what we've been talking about and you want to check out Hellraiser 3, believe it or not, we have this little uh, thing with Amazon now where we're Amazon influencing some picks. How cool is that? Oh, shit. So we got an Amazon store. Episode notes. You could go and watch Hellraiser 3 on Prime. Pretty cool. Would I start with Hellraiser 3 if that was my only entry into the Hellraiser series? I feel like you could watch this one separate from the other sequels and be pretty happy. But I actually think you could probably stumble into this just like David did. You could literally just turn this on, on TV and watch it and enjoy it. Um, most likely you're not going to watch it on TV, so again, I recommended Prime. You can also watch it, I think, on Vudu, which is actually where I saw it or rewatched it revisited it actually yeah um i don't know if it's available anywhere else but it's definitely available on those two
1: well it's on hulu that's where i watched it because i subscribe i actually own a blu-ray of it too but i've been busy so i'd actually watch this on my phone today that's right that's how committed of a binge watcher i am john's like watch hellraiser 3 i'm like all right i don't have that much time but I'll watch it on my phone
0: (laughs) yeah that's funny Dave's practicing for a play and he's like oh I'll just watch it in in between whatever rehearsal takes or whatever they however they do that whole thing but that's really funny like I just think about like actors on set and like what are they watching on their iPhone you know like (laughs) Hellraiser 3 the only (laughs) thing I think when Dave texted me that I was just like oh so imagine if one of his co-stars walked over at like the bonded sex scene you know what I, mean? like the, the I was wrong very moment. conscious
1: of that. I always found a corner to go watch it in.
0: Oh, that's funny. Yeah, like if somebody walks up the wrong time, you know? Like right. all the flesh being torn off somebody, you'd be like, I'm sorry, David, what exactly are you watching on your brain?
1: <laughs> or what's Man. worse, if it was somebody younger, they're like, what are those things sticking out of his head? I'm like, all right, CDs.
0: Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's the thing, too, it's like, I don't know who came up with this device, but including technology that had just come out, that was a big deal, turning point in technology. So they incorporated it into this movie in a really cool way. At the time, (laughs) well done, (laughs) you you know? Right. Kind of funny. On the binge now, binge later, binge whatever, it's right on par, man. I don't care if you come in on Hellraiser 3 or Hellraiser 2, binge those at the same time. Absolutely binge later. Get to the original at some point. But I feel like the original is so intense and also more dark. It's not as entertaining as two or three. There's a lot of torture in part two, but I think if you watch number one, you might be disturbed and never pick up another Hellraiser movie ever again. If you watch anything after part three, like if you come in on four, five, six, seven, eight, whatever they're up to now, like it's, it will put such right. a bad taste in your mouth, you'll never want to watch any of these movies.
1: I've seen one or two of them from after three, and they're awful. I watched one from, I think, like 2010, 2011. Yeah. That was straight to video. Well, all of them were straight to video after this one.
0: I mean, one of them has two guys go to Mexico. It's like a found footage horror film. So, like, Dimension Film had this franchise. They owned the rights to it. You gotta do a found footage entry. Okay. And then later on, they're like, well, the internet is a big deal. We gotta do something with the internet. So they had, like, IM Chat with with Pinhead for Hell World. You, you, know, you know what I mean? Like, he got on the World Wide Web, and he's coming after you instead of the puzzle blocks. He's on the Internet. It's coming for you. There was one, and I think it's called Inferno. It's the fourth or fifth one. There's a police detective. And oh, so, I,
1: I, I think I know. I've yeah, heard of it. I've seen it.
0: I want to do another spoiler alert. I, I don't know how to handle this one. Um, Maybe do another spoiler alert. Skip ahead... Um give me a couple minutes here to talk and then and then if you don't want to hear it don't hear it. The one with the police detective is actually kind of good. And it's the guy from um I think we talked about this during the the DVD catacombs run where we were talking about uh last year we did this whole 30 night marathon for Halloween. They're classics now. You can go listen to any of the it came from the DVD catacombs you won't be disappointed. We did this whole 30 night marathon for Halloween last year. Um, You know, we talked about Return of the Living Dead, talked about Silver Bullet, talked about the original Halloweens. Uh, David talked about the Tales from the Crypt movies that have nothing to do with the show. They're like the classic Tales from the Crypt from Vault of Horror stuff. It's a great miniseries. It's kind of like if you were looking for Halloween classics of the binge watchers. The point I'm bringing up is there was this movie that I was talking about, Nightbreed. Craig Schaefer's in it. He's in one of these uh, Hellraiser movies as the police detective, who doesn't know he's dead. Like, he's already in the puzzle box, and he doesn't even fucking know it. So, like, that that entry of the later sequels is not bad. So if you're a fan of his and what he did in Nightbreed, and you want to see him another Clive Barker-related project, then you can watch his entry, which I think is called um, Inferno. And then the later stuff, again, skip it. Just totally skip it, you know? Um, Let's go to Dave's ratings on the hellraiser
1: um i would say i'd say binge now for hell and earth because it's like i said yeah you can watch it independent i never saw the other two before this in fact i think i watched this again before i saw the original mm. uh, this one's fun um definitely binge later the first one it's worth watch and i'm gonna say Binge eventually to number two because I haven't even watched it yet, but I keep hearing it's a classic. So yeah,
0: dude, I think if you watch number two, you'll be pleasantly surprised. Um, I have it on a double feature. That's how I got one. I got one with part two.
1: I actually have this like collector's uh Blu-ray set called the Scarlet Box that um, I bought when it first came out, and now it's mm. worth like triple what I paid for it or something like that. It's going for close to three hundred, and I paid I think eighty See, when it uh, came out.
0: And who said binge watching wouldn't pay off?